0: Well, welcome to the next episode of the Outside Ins podcast. Outside Insights is a community created to help people close their personal and professional gap and to help folks that have the life that they want. Uh, I'm Chris burkhard uh, There's some good blogs, some podcasts, and generally content that will get you thinking about yourself. Today I'm here with Rob Gilfilum, a longtime Philly native. He's an entrepreneur and he's CEO of a scaling mid-market technology integration firm. Rob, I think we'll start with once I finish. Like, what is a technology integration firm? That probably gives everybody a foundation. The firm is Scenario. Uh It's a, it's a great story of just staggering <laughs> staggering growth of over twenty five percent a year for many many years. He now has uh, two hundred plus employees. But Rob, welcome aboard. Uh, I know we go way, way back. I think it's been 15 years or so. We both had fledgling companies and we were in a CEO roundtable called CEO Think Tank, sharing our war stories, getting ideas. I'm just so excited to have you as a guest is my first observation is like, I think this is going to be like every other conversation we have where we just (laughs) riff on ideas and share things and have so much in common. The difference is, is Fifty-two thousand people in the outside-in community get to hear our conversation. Very cool. <laughs> well, very good to have you. Um, do you want to start with what a technology integration firm is, and you know, maybe talk about Scenario mm-hmm. and where you are today in Q3 2021?
1: Sure. So, yeah, technology integration kind of encompasses a, a ton of different things. Um, so, and actually, you know, when when you I remember years ago when we started out, we had all these different things we were trying to push ourselves to. Like, Scenario was an inframedia company. We're going to be in, you know, information, multimedia, infrastructure, multi. and nobody knew what that would be, you know. So you either have to like brand around some type of word that nobody knows or just state the obvious. So uh, we, we came up with where a service focused audiovisual conferencing solutions provider committed to delivering exceptional meeting and presentation experiences to our clients. So in a nutshell, we design, build, and service audiovisual and unified communications solutions, primarily for boardrooms, conference rooms, training rooms. And then we put a slew of services around those things to provide data and analytics back to our clients.
0: Rob, I would imagine that the last two years has created changes in the market. It's I can't decide if you guys are more in demand or less in demand or somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, it's been interesting 18 months. Um, I don't know how many people I talked to during COVID, especially the early parts of COVID and said, your business must be exploding at this point. And the fact of the matter is that in order for us to conduct business and earn revenue, we actually have to go into an office space or a place of business, which we were on, we weren't allowed to do. Um, Furthermore, Companies didn't know when they were gonna have their employees back in the office. So a lot of things that they had planned for, they delayed. Mm. So um, w- what happened with us is we ended up kind of having a pause on business for a while. The, the organizations we could do work in and then wanted us to do work would let us go into the offices to do work we did. And what's happening now is that we have a, a significant backlog of business to get to and the reality that people are seeing is as they're going back to work, the experiences that they had in the conference rooms before they left are very different than the experience they had at home working on a platform. This is like, we're, we're on a platform. This isn't a room or a space.
0: Right. And then
1: when they're going back into the space, the experience in the space is inconsistent with what they're used to at home. And none of the tools that were in the space before they left to work at home, work with any of these conferencing platforms so there is a tremendous demand in what we do and we literally can't get to all the business at this point
0: yeah i you know business owner to business owner i keep saying i want to democratize same experience for people you know my used to be your remote person got kind of set aside right didn't have the same experience as those in the conference room now it's this sort of weird thing that barely works where I'm leaning over a monitor or staring at a TV. So I, I can just imagine that. I, I, hope, I hope this won't, you won't mind the backing up. You know, you and I started our businesses, you know, going to market, figuring out what we called our businesses. I, I, I remember that in common and I know you teach and coach a lot of other leaders. You know, if, if, if you're a kid at an incubator at a college, I mean, they spend so much time getting clear on their market, getting clear on what the customer has to say. I just think that if you talk to real business leaders and real guys that started, there are a lot of people like Rob and Chris that went out with a rough idea and then shaped it. And I don't know if you have anything you'd like to share about that, but I just feel like there's a lesson to teach there about the way you started that business.
1: Yeah, I think... I think a, a good summary of that is, you know, you go into this knowing you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, as we get older, you realize there's so many other things that you still don't know and still don't understand. Um, and all this stuff is, you know, coming into, it's, it's, it's coming to your your, your view. Um, I guess, you know, the, I think, <laughs> and I have this conversation a lot is, you know, going in my my goals, objectives, and I guess what what my passion was going into this business and what they ended up being along the way, they change about every several years. You know, so I mean, selfishly, I always knew I wanted to be a business owner, and it was because I knew I wanted to have control over my own destiny and control over how much money I made. And it's so far from reality once you get into it. Because you find there are other things that are going to motivate you, but also you realize you got to motivate a team of people too. So um, for us, uh, I have an equal business partner, and the way we split things up, I handle everything's kind of client facing; he handles uh, the majority of the ops and finance. And I still remember to this day. Getting in about three or four years, we started generating some revenues, and we sat th- sat back and had a conversation about what we wanted to do when we grew up, and we decided that. You know, the industry was in need of having someone come in and shake it up and actually do something exceptional. So we decided to grow an asset rather than have a business that we were kind of owner operators. Um, and it's cool because you get to hire people. You get to see people grow and migrate and create careers and get married and have kids and kids go to college. And they grow into these different positions and they have long really uh, worthwhile careers here. It's fun. That's, that's probably the most fun of anything.
0: So You create something of value. It creates something that you're also very responsible for. Mm -hmm. And it's much different than a lifestyle business. And there's nothing wrong with that choice. Correct. I can certainly identify with that. So You said you always knew you wanted to be a business owner, and I couldn't agree with you more. You have complete control of your destiny when, when you are that. That's a you know that's a minority thought. Not a lot of folks think that way. You probably have a neat story with how this business got started.
1: Yeah. So I I um nobody goes to school for this stuff. So um, you know like a lot of people in this industry, I kind of fell into it. I um, I, I graduated school, ended up having a variety of different I'll call it jobs. It is, I I spent some time figuring out what I didn't like to do which is fine. You know, you got to chalk that up. It's something I don't want to pursue. And um, I had friends of mine that, that friends of mine that worked in a company that were, they were selling presentation products, basically projectors and LCD panels and things. And there was no internet. There was, I mean, at most, there was AOL back then. And, um, but there was no eBay. There was, there was no commerce really being done on the internet um, so it was still old school kind of knocking on doors, making calls, selling equipment. Um, very quickly, uh, we found uh, the company I was working for at the time down in Maryland, I was running an office for them. We found that, you know, integrating these things in the spaces, especially on the government, um, you could provide a pretty exceptional space for people to have meetings and network operation centers were growing, things like that. And it was really of interest to me. So, um you know, we started doing that with a company down in Maryland. Uh, long story short, the the direction that the business owner down there wanted to take the business and and what and where I want to take the business were not in alignment. So um, I quit, ended up moving back home, and um, ended up meeting uh, my business partner. Uh, he had a venture, which was basically starting an ASP targeted towards a related industry. Um, so I was hired to develop Uh, a business within a business kind of and there was a market correction in march 2000 the angel investor pulled the plug funding went away chris and i got together and ended up buying the assets of the business and decided to become our our target client and use the tools that we had developed to scale the business quickly so it it was a software company that became an integration company uh, which is kind of funny
0: you know I do hear the story a a bit that you you get your start in an industry, a product set, or, you know, you like sales and you work for someone else and you start to gain some experiences. And then I'm not saying you fundamentally disagreed with that leader, but you start to decide how you want to do things yourself. And then that becomes the inspiration for, you know, I I like to say like that's your Jerry Maguire moment, right? Like here's how I'm going to do this differently, if you will. Um, You've probably had a couple of obstacles along the way, there's
1: probably lessons to learn with them. What one's come to mind? So I think there are different obstacles at different phases of the business. Um, one thing one thing I, I mentioned, I, I, um, I do some work at uh, Earth Science College, which is my alma mater, and I'm very involved in their entrepreneurial program there. And years ago, I ended up giving a keynote speech and, and afterwards I had a couple of the students come up and. They were asking about being an entrepreneur, and I asked them. I, I I said, "Well, what do you think it it means to be an entrepreneur?" And they were basically regurgitating a bunch of Webster's uh, definitions. And I said, "Look, my definition is, uh, you know, the, an individual has got the cojones to put payroll in their credit card. You know, so um, and that's what it takes when you're young. I mean, multiple times my business partner and I, you know, it's Friday, it's payroll, and you don't have it, and you got to put it on your credit card to get through till." till money comes in i mean that that's a pretty I, I mean i don't miss those years i gotta be honest with you <laughs> they were very difficult um but so that's, Rob, that i don't,
0: don't want to date you and i but <laughs> i'm gonna say it was like year 13 when sunday nights weren't like that
1: yeah How about You. yeah that's so true it is so true and of
0: course that's we're, we're certainly demystifying the romance of entrepreneurship with this discussion. But I think, (laughs) I think that's the real, the real part of this. It, it, you always, you know, I don't know if you would agree, but it's, this is like something that you should have been quoted saying it's like, Chris, you know, an entrepreneur is only done when they decide they're done.
1: Yeah. It's, and you think about all the things you do to fake it till you make it. We were talking about this the other day. We, we have we opened an office down in Dallas, and it's a new office, and we haven't done a lot of work down there. And by the way, this is the thing that's really fun about opening these new offices. It's it's like it's like starting a business all over again. Like you don't have a presence there, you don't have any name, they don't know who you are. So we're down trying to do work down in Dallas, and one of our prospects says, "Well, I want to go around and see some of your work." And we kind of say, "Okay," and we walk out of the room I'm like, "Well, where the hell are we going to take them?" <laughs> like, so we're trying to scrounge to figure out where we're going to take them. Like, well, we did a project for this company down here. And I think I can, it's sort of, we sort of did some of it, you know, but I remember when we started here, we had no work and someone wanted to see one of our, one of our projects. I had a friend of mine work for a company and I asked if we could do a small upgrade for them. And we did, we ended up integrating a microphone. And I mean, I never lied. we, we did the work there. I just didn't do all the work there, but I'd use that as my showroom for the first like month before we did anything. You know, you just got to figure out ways to bake it along the way.
0: That damn chicken or the egg thing. Yeah. You know, um, you know <laughs> we don't work with companies that don't have an income statement that's this. Well, how am I going to get to that point? I know. Um, doesn't, in that circumstance, this might be just splitting hairs and not as interesting, but doesn't that you're you're a regional super regional firm is it okay
1: that they see work in the mid atlantic or boston or north carolina or does it have to be in texas i think some people just want to know they i mean some people just want to by the way it's rare i mean i have plenty of work to show them they just want to literally go and see it you know so it's just uh you know as a managing director wants to touch it and make sure that we're actually doing something so but up uh, but it is. It's 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 trying to it's trying to kind of start all over again and get get over some of those objections.
0: So help my audience get to know you. Is there any any backstory or anything you should share that kind of just you know makes you more of a three D character here? You're a successful entrepreneur, you know, sort of this path, this choice. But what helps build you know a little of a uh, little of your story?
1: I think uh, I, I got asked to. I got asked a question from um, from actually one of my sister's friends years ago, and they said, you know, what do you think has led to your success? And I, I, I always am very, um, a pretty humble guy. And I, I always think about that question a little differently. Most like success is different to many different people. You know, some people think it's, it's, you know, wealth or money. Um, I use the term familiar all the time, which I, I, I. I always say all the time, I am a familiar, meaning I've got it all. I've got a great family. I've got my great health. I've got lots of great things. So, you know, I look at success as being kind of a lot more than what's in your bank account, obviously. Um, But I, I, when my, my sister's friend said something to me, I said, you know, I said, "I, I, quite frankly, I was motivated in business. It was all fear because I grew up with a father that he had a business that went bankrupt. We had, Corporate bankruptcy, personal bankruptcy, you know, sheriff sold the house and, you know, my sister and I were out at a very young age and, uh, you know, I have no regrets. I think it helped shape me as an individual. And I've always taken on the the mindset that like I will outwork anybody. And, um, you know, I think a lot of with anything in life, you know, anything you do in life, one thing that's consistent is you get out what you put into it. And I've always been in the mindset that I will put everything, my heart and soul into it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I can't say I didn't try, you know, and it's everything I do. So
0: that's a heck of a minute of podcast there. I want to clarify. Are you saying uh, you're basically combining family and millionaire? Yeah. And you to say it one more time. Familiar. I can't say I can't you say that
1: I, I heard it somewhere years ago. No, 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 anything.
0: I, I, I think, um, I do believe today that it's more acceptable for us to want it all—balance, family, hobbies. Um, my dad's a serial entrepreneur. He he didn't even think about this stuff till he was sixty years old. Yeah. It was all. And I'm not saying he was just totally money motivated. He just never felt he had the luxury. And then I really think it 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 lends a lot. I mean, what 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 great patina that about just you talking about your motivation um you know i always thought fake it to your make it was like this sort of cheapening of of the human of the person but i i it's really an internal thing it's yeah. really that you know isn't it it's sort of a thought of i mean i'm i'm really they're gonna figure out i'm an imposter <laughs> you know and that's how i always read it like you know that I can't believe they're going to actually let me have a podcast. I can't believe I'm going to get to talk to Rob. Right. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's sort of that. And then, and then it just kind of sticks around and you get comfortable with it. Well, I I really love what you've shared. Um, you've always been a teacher and a giver. I really think the strength of this show is when people share practical advice and you've given a lot, but if, if you were given a chance
1: to teach a lesson today, what would you teach? There's, I was, I was thinking about this actually about 10 minutes before we got on. Um, So I I think, and I'll I'll use this advice given to an entrepreneur. And um, I think one of the most important things you can do is you got to, you got to create a culture where it's okay to fail. And I know that sounds really strange, but if, because at some point when you start out, it always ends up being a command and control culture, meaning you are the center of it. You're the guy driving it. You're hiring people. And in the beginning, it literally is like a cult. And what's really, I mean, it's cool. Like everyone's there. You're like the underdog and everyone's working a lot of hours and and keeping focus on things. And it's fun. And it's all about just that whole high energy. But you can't sustain that over 20 years. You just can't do it. And so at some point in time, as you grow and you scale the business, you've got to have people there that are going to make decisions. So, one, make sure you explain to people how you came to making those decisions because it makes them better problem solvers. And also, make sure that the culture is such that if they fail, it's okay. Because it, usually, what happens is if you create a culture where they're not, they're, if, where, where they're afraid to fail. They end up making no decision, which is the worst thing you can do whatsoever. And it just slows down the entire decision-making process. You'd rather them fail and correct, rather make no decision, because it's going to take longer to get to the right answers.
0: There's so much good stuff in what you're talking about. Yeah, I remember in the early days when I could lean over one of the bullpen panels. And you could like rally all 12 or 15 or whatever (laughs) because everybody was line of sight, you know, and people work for, (laughs) excuse me, work for less because you're an entrepreneur or believed in the vision or the Uh outcome. And what what, what got you here won't get you there along the way. That failure piece is really interesting too because I think people confuse that. We're not saying we don't want good work. Right. We're not saying yeah. that it's not OK to catch errors in work. It's that when you fail and you have a culture that allows it, you have a debrief and you can learn. That's right. Right. That's right. And and uh, you need that in your in your culture. Uh, has, has that been a, a big part of your meteoric
1: rise? I would say that it's been a we we've, it's been a difficult thing to. To uh, maintain long term, and I would say that at certain times throughout the business, we've done a better job than others at it, and we've tried to learn lessons along the way. Um, you know, by by making sure that you have a good set of core values as a business, which people follow, and you hold clients accountable to, it'll actually help with that as well. Um, but you know, we did have a time where. It just we really had a, a challenge with people being afraid to make decisions, and it just held everything up. And it wasn't necessarily that Chris and I were doing anything wrong. I think it had to do with maybe, well, not maybe, with us not providing appropriate um, training to to managers along the way. So that's something we spent a lot of time doing because as you grow and you have tiers and you have other people that are responsible got to make sure that what you believe in actually you know moves moves through the cycles moves through the company
0: rob i heard it described this way that it's really hard to spread around the leadership dna mm-hmm. and that that's, that's, not that's a great
1: way, way to describe it
0: yeah yeah I, I i did not come up with it you know it's just but it it just isn't a straight line it doesn't happen in one meeting thou shalt make decisions this way it, it's sort of a you know it's a it's a a process that goes all over the place so if you listen to this you got a lot going right uh but i think people want to understand many times how people got to their level of success by your definition right and i'm just curious and so some thoughts around this were there role models or mentors or ways that you surrounded yourself with people on this whole journey and you know how do you still use the concept today and how important has that been to shape your you and who you are
1: sure i, I would th- there are a couple uh, there's a couple people mm-hmm. want to point to so one is at an early i'd say probably my mid-20s when i was working for another company and i started kind of oscillating on the right move because i believed that the business should go one direction the owner believed that we should go a different direction. There was a, there was a guy, uh, his name was John and I sold him some presentation equipment and he was a small business. I mean, he was a president of a small business and he was great when I'd go in there and talk to him. uh, His dog was sitting next to him and I went to him. He offered me a beer when I, we finalized the sale of this $15,000 presentation projector. And he started asking me a lot of questions and he pulled out a lot of things or he's pulling out things I was thinking of. And he kept kind of walking me down the path of, well, why do you think, why do you think that the owner's making a bad decision and has a bad strategy? And I kept kind of reinforcing kind of where my head was. And he, about two or three meetings with him, like he really made me believe that what I wanted to do was the right thing. And even if it wasn't, I really got to try it anyway. So it was kind of the first person that spent the time guiding me down a path for me to kind of validate what i already knew so i mean it was, a, it was a it was a big lesson for me and it actually that was one of the main reasons why i decided to to quit and move on um, Is he a great coach he was a, questions he was so i think he was um i think he knew where he wanted to take me he just wanted me to get there you know and um so it taught me it's a it's a very similar way of you know, it's a great management strategy as well, you know, so back to trying to get people to get to the conclusion on their own, as opposed to, well, this is what you should do. Um, the the former takes longer to get to, but they're going to learn how to make decisions and they're going to feel good about the decision they made. It so, might
0: actually happen.
1: Yeah. So that was one. And the second was I was very, I mean, this is scenario is the largest company I've ever worked for. So I, i worked for uh, several other companies that were very small companies i was very lucky when i we started the business i was around people that worked for larger organizations Um, my business partner chris henry came from uh, big consulting Um, he worked for amp for a while as well Um, and so he had a whole different perspective on things. we still have a member of our board that was a um a cfo for ibm so um and some others that came from big companies so i think the marriage of, of, the marriage of Chris and, and, myself and the company was very interesting because we had different perspectives on things, but it was good complementary perspectives. And I learned a lot about how larger companies are structured and decision-making processes. And, um, I never had any, I never had any classes in finance. I mean, I kind of, I remember looking at a P and and I never looked at one before when we started the business. So, um, you know, I, balance sheets. I mean, I never took any accounting back then in in school. So I learned a lot from them and had a good perspective on where you can take the business and why you have to think about the business as being a larger entity. Um, I don't think we would have gotten there if it wasn't for a lot of the advice and direction we got from many of those folks, at least from me. I often make
0: the comment, you know, when someone says, you know, did you know you would make it? Of course, the answer is no. But I look back now and think of what I didn't know and how it sounds like you're the same way you sort of ran this gauntlet blind and then you pick up this whole body of knowledge this whole thing and it you're lucky enough to add that to your leadership skill set and to your company and you move on in a different set of risks that's right now I don't know there's something in there that I think people think that entrepreneurs are risk takers and I think the truth is we would we would we would do what we can to mitigate a risk the second we had a dollar to do so.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. I agree with that. That's sort <laughs> of how it feels. Um, I think there one thing to that that's interesting is if you look at. So we have we have several entrepreneurs within the business now that what's neat about like they're they're helping grow the company and they might be more risk adverse than we are. Be, but we're allowed to we're allowed to give them a kind of a platform to be an entrepreneur and try those. And it's, it's really fun. I mean, it's, we have a a guy who's a director for us down in uh, Baltimore, DC, and he is an entrepreneur. He just, you know, we just gave him a platform to be an entrepreneur and he's doing great.
0: And he doesn't have to take the money out of his pocket, perhaps, right? You know, Yeah,
1: I mean, take away the, I mean, the whole deal when we started that office was like, look, we'll take care of, we'll make sure payroll's taken care of. All the HR stuff's taken care of. We'll put the process, procedures, pay the rent. You just go do what you're really good at and grow the business.
0: So I'll give you a choice. I'd, I'd like to have you talk a bit about your leadership style, but I also think you know you don't survive this 15, 20, 25 year journey without learning how to kind of take care of you. Mm-hmm. And I don't I haven't, I've always never not met an entrepreneur who hasn't had to go through some uh, peaks and valleys, taking care of themselves. So,
1: answer those however you'd like. So, I'll answer the second one. Well, I'll answer both actually, because I think the first one I can answer pretty quickly. So, I'm I'm a big fan in servant leadership. I always have been. Um, I want to I want to create an environment and provide the tools to everyone around me to make sure that they hit their personal professional goals. And I think both are important. You know, work is more than just work today. I mean. People have to unplug. They have to take vacation. Families are important. Um, So, you know, from my perspective, I want to just provide resources, guidance, whatever we can to make sure that everyone around us is going to be successful. I mean, that's in a nutshell. That's really what it is.
0: It seems obvious that you're at your
1: sweet spot with that right now. Is that fair? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think there's, there's, well, the reason being is, you know, we have, you know, 200 and some people at this point. So um, there, you know, there are a lot of people that are involved in keeping the keeping the company moving forward. And we want to make sure that they have productive careers here, you know, make sure they stay a long time. We truly, and uh, Chris says this very well, is that you know, our goal is to make sure that company, client, and employee are all in balance. When any of those things get out of balance, it screws things up. And I, I believe that. I, I really do believe that.
0: It's interesting, Rob, we have an operating philosophy that we call, you know, defined by three customers. So it's really kind of interesting. Always knew we had a lot in common, but we try very hard to balance that at times with our thinking. So I I know, I, I hear a lot about stress. I hear a lot about how hard it is to, you have to sacrifice for the business. So you give something up, family, health, something. What's your journey
1: and how do you manage that today? Yeah, I, if I could, this goes back to your, I'm going to put your, your second question, this one together. So I'm a great example of, of learn what not to do. <laughs> and I love, I mean, I've, you know, I'm a big fan of failing forward. There's a ton of stuff I've failed at along my life and I learned valuable lessons from it. Um, we, I was, we started the business when I was 30 years old. And um, I spent my 30s working 60, 70, 80 hours a week consistently. We had young kids. I was involved in a lot of the things, but it really was between work and, you know, going out with clients and prospects, everything else. I mean, Mike, in your 30s and and early 40s, you can kind of fake it. You can fake your health. Like, you're still going to stay healthy to get through that. Once you get in your 40s and really once you hit 49 and 50 as you know you can't fake it anymore and the 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 faster you get in a good routine of uh mindfulness um spending time on you um making sure you're lifelong learner scheduling time for that making sure you exercise eating well i know it all sounds i mean <laughs> i'm regurgitating all the stuff you hear every day but get into a rhythm early because I did not get in that rhythm until I was probably in my mid late forties. Um, and now I'm even change. I'm getting more serious about it because in your fifties, you have the revolving ache that just keeps moving around. So, and you're fighting gravity a lot more. So, um, the better you can get in that rhythm, the better off you're going to be.
0: It just proves we're all the same. We've all got this, these challenges, you know, I don't get a chance to ask this question very much. If my dad were here, he'd say, I had to sacrifice it all to get done what I got done. Could you have done it another way? Could you have it in your thirties said, you know, no, I'm training for a 5k or you know what I'm saying. Um, I completely get what you're saying about the way you did this.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, um, I could have, but I didn't know how to then. So right now, I look back at all the things I wasted time on. I mean, I wasted a ton of time, effort, and energy on things that today would have been like, oh my gosh, I could have years back to do other things if I knew then what I know now. But I. We talking I about doing the rubber chicken, di- like yeah. rubber chicken dinners? Yeah. <laughs> you know, are you networking? Is yeah, that like it's not with exactly, somebody? Yeah. Well, I mean, think of all the wasted time you spent on stuff. You know, go and look. It's all fun. Don't get me wrong, but you know, should I have spent you know two three days a week not going out to a networking event or something, and and you know spending time at home and and uh, you know going to the gym or you know I don't know um, you know maybe, but uh, you know I I, I'm I'm a ton more efficient now than I was ten years ago. In fact, I I'm a big fan. You got to kind of reinvent time management every few years because you find that you're going to hit you're going to hit this capacity that you can't handle, handle and then you got to kind of reinvent how you're going to do it. So every couple of years, I find a new way of kind of managing my time so I can actually handle more and include those things like mindfulness, health, me stuff, family stuff, and still get everything done.
0: It makes a lot of sense to me that you've connected being a servant leader, helping others succeed, but the fact that you've got to have a deep reserve and be whole to accomplish that. Yeah. Certainly efficient. I heard you with uh, the way you approach your time. But if you're not right, it's really hard to serve.
1: Yeah. I think the other thing you learned too um, is you know, the diminishing law of returns. So an 80 hour work week does not equal two 40 hour work weeks. So, and it took, and it takes, again, this is kind of gray hair that takes, takes time. To realize it's not going to work. You know, like I can't work 60 hours a week straight anymore. I, I mean, I'm exhausted. There's no way.
0: <laughs> Rob, I used to keep a spreadsheet. Please don't hang up on this. Okay. But I think it's, <laughs> I kept the spreadsheet for every extra hour I worked when I started the bit. I started at 33. And my thought was that was equity I was building for every hour over 40. And uh, I don't know why. <laughs> thought that was, you know, it's amazing what you do to get through those things. It's so true. <laughs> um, so you're a lifelong learner. What are your
1: favorite learning habits? Uh, I would say my, um, so I, I, I was never, I'm, I'm, you know, embarrassed to say it, but I wasn't a great student in high school and I wasn't really a great student in college. Uh, it took me a while to learn how I like to learn and, um, and I realized that I don't, I don't retain from reading just reading very well. I'm very visual. Um, I'm great at listening to things. Um, above all, I learn from doing and getting my hands dirty. If you you give it to me and let me figure it out that way, I'm very good with that, with that kind of stuff. Um, I've, I've learned that I can retain audible like audio books, like books over like audible, much better than I can reading. Um, if I read at night, I get three pages in. I'm asleep. I mean, it's great to put me asleep, but I can't get through a book. So I end up. Uh, I hike a lot, much like you. I hike a lot. I listen to. Um, I listen to books a ton. Um, I listen to books in the car a lot. I'm a huge TED Talks fan, um, and I'm kind of a micro learner. So I I try to do it in 15 minute bursts um, every morning. I I have a great app that I. Use in the morning that I can basically get summary of books in 15 minutes.
0: You mind sharing so that's, what that is?
1: Yeah, it's called Headway. That's I just saw
0: that, and so uh, is it. So you feel like it's a valuable way to digest.
1: Okay, absolutely love it, and it's a way. It's a so I I get up in the morning and I first thing I do is I stretch. I do like 20 minutes of yoga. I got my ailments. I do my PT for, yeah, and. Um, um, I, I do some scripture reading very quickly, and then I uh, I read usually a, a summarized book out of Headway, and that's my hour routine in the morning, um, and I have coffee and do it. Um, I used to be uh, – the worst thing I did years ago was uh, I used to get up and do stuff in the morning and listen to the news. I can't do that anymore. It's just, I want to talk about setting off and ne- you know, giving you some negative energy. <laughs> I'll read that throughout you know, the
0: day. I don't know who said it, but when the morning uh... – Yeah. I know there's a lot, a lot of folks that think about this, but I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Sonera's got an, just this unbelievable track record. I'd love to hear it. And, but you know, I, I find that, I, I find that there's you know this there's this sort of series of valleys and peaks that you go through on your path. Maybe you could talk about, like, was getting to a million harder? Was five million harder? was, And you can decide how high end you want to go. Uh, you've had to change and evolve as a leader. You've had to change your uh-huh. company. But along that path, what, what
1: was hardest? Uh, I'd say uh, the year we went 3.8 to 5 million years and years ago, that was – that was a big deal for us because that's when we got together and decided what do we want to do when we grow up? And that's when we decided to not make it a lifestyle business, but actually, um, and we realized our industry is one that it's, it's highly fragmented, not a lot of major players. The are people that love the technology, love the gear, but they're not, they don't know, they don't really run businesses very well. And there's a way to do things better. And we, we think that we can improve the industry and actually, Increase the size, increase the piece of pie or increase the pie so that more people will actually want to do meetings in a different manner. So we decided to try to do something exceptional in the industry. So that was then. Then I'll say that that 20 to 30 million in there is that first step of trying to get over the hump and putting a management structure in place. And that's going from that command and control to letting the inmates run the asylum kind of thing. And trying to do that, that's really, really difficult. And, um, what I wish I'd done earlier was document processes a lot better because everyone knows when you got 20 people, what to do, when you start getting 30, 40, 50, 60 people, what happens if you don't have it documented somewhere, they all go to you and ask you what you should do. (laughs) So document them, get it down. And then that the 50 million was a, you know, we went from, you know, 58, uh, COVID hit, we had a reduction of about uh, eight or 9% in revenues, which I still think was a pretty solid year. Um, But I will say the one silver lining with COVID was we got, we put an entire different layer of data and analytics and and management tools, and we're able to do more with fewer people. Um, And it's not that we're not against hiring people, that's not it, but we just got another layer of efficiency that's going to help us scale the business better. Um, and run the business better, get better visibility to metrics. I mean, all kinds of things that that we needed to do. And so, you know, 2020 allowed us to work on the business rather than in it. And I think that was that was very instrumental for us.
0: So, Rob, if you don't mind me framing that, I want to make sure I, I got it. But a lot of times when a business gets to 40 to 80, all of a sudden the data it's harder to make decisions because you don't have the the data you need at that level uh and it sounds like you put a dashboard business intelligence some things in place that are giving you darn near real-time looks at labor efficiency operations and financial stuff is that
1: is that what i i'm hearing absolutely because a lot of times you just need different departments they need a snapshot yes and and the other thing when you have a ton i mean any given time we have 500 to 600 open projects going on so trying to digest that in mass is very difficult and what you really want to do is look at the exceptions and i think um you know what are the things that are exceptional so and then okay so you look at say a project that was exceptionally good or exceptionally bad (laughs) so you got to look at both and then okay why was exceptionally bad well you're finding that maybe did sixty percent of it well but maybe uh certain piece of it we didn't do well and then you find trends across many other projects that is a problem that you can't get to unless you have access to all that data so um it's the same on the other side so um and it, it actually one thing has been very interesting it allowed us we just recently rolled out an entire <laughs> bonus program the entire company but it was based on a year and a half of effort of us getting to the data to make sure it's accurate and then having everyone be able to work as a team it's an interdependent team so everyone's in a bonus pool together based on a, a variety of metrics that are that we got from an estimate at the beginning so
0: these critical numbers that you could pull from your data that's an, an unbelievable thing so if you weren't running this business what would your dream job be sure
1: i have a. I'm very blessed that I, one, I love working. I mean, I, I, I really am very, and I like doing anything work-wise. I mean, my favorite job I had up through my 20s was bartending. I mean, I absolutely love bartending. I love people. I love the energy. It was just a lot of fun. Now, I don't want to go back and do that again, but um, nor do I want to own a restaurant. But, um, but I will say I'm lucky I have a lot of interests. And I've always said, and you and I have talked about this, is, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to retire by any means. I got a lot of gas in the tank, but when you are, you got to retire to something, not from something. It's the same. When we hire people, I make sure people want to come to us and not running Mm -hmm. from a job. Right. So, um, and I have a lot of interests. I love, I love cars. I love boats. I love water. I think if I choose anything, I've I've talked to my wife about this. I'd buy a small Marina down in Maryland and run a small Marina and just Be around boats and and boat people. Boat people are the most fun, (laughs) giving, friendly, um, full of gratitude (laughs) type people you can imagine. They're great. I I
0: think what I love about that is that that's a very learned thing based on your life's journey and meeting people and exploring hobbies and all those kinds of things. Um, You're an absolute gem to have. I know you're thinking about other stuff. What's on your mind these days, your, your views of business, your views of world? Uh, what are you working on outside of things we've talked about that you might like to share?
1: Sure. I uh, So I'm involved in, uh, in an entrepreneurial program at our science college. It's a local small, small uh, liberal arts school here. Um, I really love working with kids, um, a ton of energy, and uh, a ton of drive, and... Um, you know, trying to get them focused on certain things. Um, I think one thing that's kind of fun about the word entrepreneur is—is is that word is really—I don't know if I, I call it change, but I think the—I think the—the the view from from kids over the past ten years I've been doing is changed and that everyone thinks of an entrepreneur as like a for-profit business or something around being a capitalist or a you know a business owner, and really what what I've seen is. You know, being an entrepreneur is all about taking an idea and moving it forward. Whether it's nonprofit, whether it's trying to get a film started. I mean, we've we funded kids getting films off the ground in the program. I mean, all kinds of things. So, I mean, that's a ton of fun. The other thing that um, that I, I'd love to move along the way that I, I have a couple of people I've been talked to about is you know they have all these funds for people wanting to start businesses, whether it's a tech firm or or some other you know dot com this and that. Um, but there are limited resources to the individual that wants to start an electrical contractor or wants to start a company being a mason or a landscape or something like that is um, and I have a couple other people that share my passion for this is how do you put together a pool of resources and help someone that wants to own a business but it's not gonna, it's, it's in it's a trade you know it's not super sexy it's not gonna get a you know 20 times EBITDA return when you sell it. But it's going to change, I mean, it's going to affect one individual, multiple individual's life significantly because they love working. They're, they're good at what they do, but they don't understand accounting, legal, how to set up a business, insurances, all the st- HR, all that stuff that goes around it. So, I mean, it's something that I, we, we have kind of a, a structure around getting it started. We just haven't done it, but it's, it's on my list over the next several years.
0: Yeah, it may not be a 20 X unicorn, but those businesses have very high margins that can support owners and investors and employees. So I love that thinking. And certainly if I can help you with resources or love to hear more about it as you get going, Rob, I find within the outside in community that there's often a lot of responses if an audience member wants to reach you. How would you prefer they get to you? And they ask questions about all kinds of stuff. But should they? Uh, would you like to give out your email address, or should they go to your sure. website? What's best for you?
1: Just send an email uh, is the best way. It's uh, Rob G R O B G at scenario C E N is a Nancy E R O dot com.
0: I appreciate everything today unless you have any last and final, it's been fantastic to have you as a guest today.
1: I guess the only thing I'd end with is, uh, look, and, and this, this kind of goes without saying, is uh, you know the best thing anyone can do when starting out is just make sure you embrace failure and, and fail forward. I mean, those are two things that I I truly live my life by because every day you're gonna get something that's gonna get thrown at you and just, just keep trying to overcome and keep pushing forward. So, um,
0: you know, Rob, it's interesting when I first started, I thought the goal was to run a perfect company, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Oh my gosh. An employee isn't working out a client engagement isn't going well. That bill didn't get paid. I didn't realize that that's the way, <laughs> and that, you know, it, it's an excellent lesson for everybody. Well, Rob, thank you very much.
1: Yeah. Thanks. This has been great, Chris. I appreciate it.